Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is way Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. I think it's official. Christian Gellich is hot. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on Thursday, May 12th. Frank Stanfield joined by Chris Towers. And we've got a whole bunch on the show today by high candidates, rankings movers, Jose Barrios, might just stink this season, and much more. But let's jump right in. Oh my good goodness gracious! All right, Chris. Oh my goodness gracious. I'll let you do it. For the brand. Oh, oh me? Yeah, you're up. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, Christian Yelich. Turns out uh, he's he's pretty good, probably. He um, hit for the cycle today for the third time in his career. He's the fifth player in Major League history to hit for the cycle. Sixth. Sixth player in Major League history to hit for the cycle three times. First player, second player to do it three times against one team. Okay, I think it was second. When I saw that, um, that was wild. Three times against the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> also, all three times that he's hit for the cycle, he needed a triple in his last plate appearance, I believe, and wow. got it. Or got the triple last, at least. So That's awesome. if Christian Yelich gets a double, a single, and a home run... He's gonna he's gonna hustle to get that triple. Um, yeah, no, I mean there there have been positive signs for Christian Yelich, you know, for much of the season. Um, the the numbers haven't always looked quite all that good, but the average exit velocity, hard hit rates, all that stuff has mostly been pretty good. And right now, his average exit velocity sits at 89th percentile, uh, 92.3 miles per hour. That is the fourth best mark of his career, which you know, I guess fourth best in the Statcast era. That's only eight seasons, but Christian Yelch has run up some pretty impressive average exit velocities in his career. So 92.3 would be most players' career high. He's got a 56.3% hard hit rate. That's 98th percentile, 95th percentile on max exit velocity. Has the second highest average launch angle of his career at 8.9 degrees. Strikeout rate down to 22.8%. It's pretty much all looking like Christian Yelich is very very good. I don't want to say he's going to be the MVP level version of Christian Yelich because one, you can't expect anyone to be a 330 hitter with 50 home runs and a 30 stolen base pace. That's a little unrealistic, but he's looking really good right now. He's looking like one of the better outfielders in baseball. I've got him in my top 20 at outfield now, I'm not sure, uh, Frank, if you've got him in that same range. And frankly, I'm not sure if I should have him higher at this point because the guys ahead of him, J.D. Martinez, Chris Bryant, Whit Merrifield, it wouldn't take much to surpass those guys, although it was nice to see Whit Merrifield have a good game. Feeling pretty good about all of my Christian Yelts shares right now. As you should. Uh, and yes, I have him inside of my top 20 outfielders as well. He's at 20 exactly. Scott went ahead and moved him all the way up to 15. And you can, you know, you can always count on Scott to be like <laughs> skeptical about someone. And then just like once he decides he's in, he's all the way in. There's, there's, <laughs> no, there's no half measures. I love that. I know towards the end of draft season, Scott jumped on board with Christian Yelich. He kind of flipped from Bellinger to Yelich, and he was in. I know he drafted a few shares. So, yeah, he's got him up at 15. And like you said, I think that you can kind of make that argument that Yelich should be ahead of Reynolds and Cattell Marte and J.D. Martinez. So, you know, a couple more games like this, then I could see making that move as well. Scott has already gone ahead and made that move. I agree with you, Chris. I think that he is 
so far this season, he's looked much better than he has in years past. Please, please just stay healthy, Christian Yelich. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't expect MVP numbers. If we can get uh, an 850 OPS, 850 plus OPS out of Yelich. I mean, look, an 850 OPS awesome. might be like the 15th highest OPS in baseball this season based on what we've seen so far. Now, I look, the like right now he's on roughly a 30 homer, 15 stolen base pace. And I think that that's awesome is pretty reasonable and i think he's probably gonna hit 270 plus and um yeah I, i'm i think you should be really happy about christian yelich right now all right i was gonna save this for a little bit later on chris but buy high or no thanks guy what do you think if you can it's probably gonna take a lot now after the cycle game obviously but would you be looking to buy high on christian yelich right now yeah look it, it depends like it if if someone's viewing Christian Yelich as a top twelve outfielder, if someone is, you know, like, I still have Teoscar Hernandez a decent amount ahead of Christian Yelich. So if someone's asking for a similar return to what they would want for Teoscar or Starling Marte or something like that, I would probably be pump, pumping the brakes. But I feel like there are probably still a decent amount of people who are like, well, Yelich still has that back injury, and even if he's healthy right now, you never know. Like. Sure, that might be the case, but it's also the case that he has talked about having played through this back injury for a while, and so I don't necessarily know if it's something that we should be concerned about. Like, yeah, he has to stay healthy, but I don't know if he's that much more of an injury risk than, I mean, Chris Bryant's currently on the IL. J.D. Martinez is 34. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think Christian Yelich, I'm, I'm buying high right now. You know what I think is a fun trade right now, Chris? I, I don't know if the Yelich manager would take this, or obviously they would need pitching, but swapping Pablo Lopez for Christian Yelich, it, it just seems like it kind of makes sense on both sides. There's injury risk, but you know while they're healthy this season, they both have looked really good. So again, I, I think most trades right now are probably going to be pitcher for hitter, if you can pull that off. So maybe like a Pablo Lopez or, I don't know, would you give up Dylan Cease for Yelich right now, the way that he's pitched? Oh man, that's a tough one. I let me check. I did do the trade trade values chart today, and I would think that I have Yelich just a little bit. Uh, they're basically the same range, so right. yeah, so I think trade. that that makes sense. I've got Yelich. Um, I think he's fourteen, and and Cease is thirteen in the chart, something like that. So I think that makes sense. All right, Chris is staying on brand for his oh my goodness gracious player. You know I am too. Here comes the money. Here we go. Here we go. Here comes the money. Nice little pitcher's duel out on the West Coast. Shane McClanahan going up against Shohei Otani. Shane O'Mac was amazing. I will point out that there was no Mike Trout or Taylor Ward in the lineup, but nonetheless, seven shutout innings for McClanahan. Three hits, one walk, 11 strikeouts. He had 24 swinging strikes on 100 pitches. And the way that he distributes these swinging strikes it is just awesome. Ten on the fastball, six on the changeup, four on the curve, four on the slider. He has four legitimate pitches. This was his second seven-inning start of the season. Uh, the ERA down to 2.52. All the numbers just look like McClanahan is a legitimate SP1. So I think as long as he's working this deep into games and they're not really holding him back like the Rays like to do at times... I think that we might have an SP1 on our hands here, Chris. I'm not ranking him that way. I moved him up to SP20 in the rankings. He's just behind Robbie Ray, Freddie Peralta. I kind of feel like that's the range he should be in right now, but a couple of more starts like this, I think Shane McClanahan's knocking on like the top 12. Yeah, I mean, he's SP26 for me, but that's me giving a lot of benefit of the doubt to Charlie Morton still, and you know, I think like the Dylan Cease, Clayton Kershaw, Pablo Lopez range makes sense, but he might be better than all of them. You know, the, their, <clears throat> the ERA is, I mean, 306. We usually think that's borderline ace material. This season, it's like pretty good, which, you know, tells you a lot about where we're at. And he still gives up some hard contact. But look, if he's going to be a 30 plus percent strikeout rate guy, and, you know, the the stuff is certainly there for him to do it, then I don't think it really matters how much, how hard he's going to get hit. You know, that, that's kind of that Robbie Ray, Shane Bieber territory where, like, yeah, you can struggle with giving up hard contact, but when you're striking out 
a third of the opposing hitters, it doesn't really matter all that much. And so, yeah, McClanahan absolutely has um, ace potential, and he's showing it right now. And you know what also helps, Chris, when you're allowing hard contact, but a lot of that contact is on the ground. 61% ground ball rate for Shane McClanahan. Again, it's everything is lining up. The strikeouts, the swinging strike rate. Mm -hmm. He only has 10 walks over his first 39 and a third innings pitched this season. And and then, of course, the ground balls, which I just mentioned. So uh, I would not be looking to sell high. I know some people might have that question. Uh, He just looks like a legitimate ace. And, you know, the ranking is kind of weird, Chris. It's... Rankings in general are kind of weird because I have Shane Bieber ranked ahead of McClanahan, mm-hmm. but if someone offered me Bieber for my McClanahan right now, there's no way that I'm taking that trade just personally. Yeah, so. I mean, that, that's that's the thing with rankings is like we can say, well, this player is ranked X and this player is ranked Y, and even the trade values chart, like this player is worth it, but like there's still a psychological factor to it, and there's still like... I don't feel like you would need to give up Shane McClanahan to get Shane Bieber right now. You know, like that, that, that it just, it might like the way I rank it, I think that would work out for you, but I don't think you should necessarily do that because I think you can do a better trade than that. Given what we've seen from those two right now, you know, there's also the, the, the marketplace aspect of making trades where it's not just what you think this player is worth. It's also what you think other people think they're worth, you know? Yeah, for sure. On the other side, Shohei Otani looked great once again. Six innings, two hits, one run, five strikeouts to two walks. Uh, He's got 46 strikeouts to seven walks on the season, over 32 and a third innings pitched. 2.78 ERA. The XFIP for Otani is 2.00, so he has been tremendous as well. Uh, Ultimately, both guys wind up with a no decision in this start. Bonus, oh my goodness gracious. You wanted Whitmerryfield, you got him. Easily his best game of the season. He went three for four with a sock and a shoe. His first home run, his fourth stolen base. He doubled his season-long run total in one game. He had four runs scored entering this start, and he added four runs in this game. So, I'm going to guess this is one of the last times we see him bat eighth. That would make sense. I mean, overall, hope. the Royals lineup in general has just been dreadful, so... Yeah. Stream your pitchers against them right now, but again, we're preaching we're preaching patience with a lot of hitters right now, and I know a lot of fantasy managers don't want to hear that. But look, these guys are proven, and just like we said yesterday, you know your window to close uh, your window to buy Whitmerryfield probably just closed. One more bonus, oh my goodness gracious, of the bad variety. I mean, yeah. Tyler McGill saw Corey Kluber yesterday, and he's like, "Well, hold my beer." ERA goes from 2.43 to 4.41 in one start. He recorded just four outs at the Nationals. He gave up eight hits, eight earned runs, two home runs allowed. That is a 54.00 ERA in this start. Negative 18 and a half fantasy points over on CBS. Could not locate his fastball. Didn't have the slider. I think he was unlucky too. I know he gave up two home runs, so it's hard to say he was unlucky, but... He had a 667 BABIP on three hard hit balls. If anyone in your league is trying to spite drop Tyler McGill or just spite trade him because they're so frustrated with this, obviously, Chris, I would still be looking to buy him. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, the velocity has not returned quite to where it was last season, but it's not, he's not averaging 96, 97 with the fastball like he was early in the season. And I mean, I guess it's still early in the season, but you know, early for early. Uh, his strikeout rate is down to 27.7%. It was 26% last season. So I don't know. There there are reasons to think that maybe we overreacted with Tyler McGill early on. And he's a player who I've had some trouble ranking because I've kept him in like the 40 to 50 range, and it feels low. Um, but after this start, like I've got him just behind Eric Lauer. And just behind Mike Clevenger and Zach Allen and Jesus Lazardo, who didn't have a great start in his most recent one as well. Um, and I kind of feel like that makes sense. And so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is a buy low opportunity if, if someone is really worried about him. But, you know, if, if someone still views Tyler McGill as like a top 35 starting pitcher, maybe there's room to buy. I don't know. All right. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I have him ranked in that same range, SP42 for me. And it, it's in a similar range as 
breakout hopefuls who have kind of had some hiccups recently. Jesus Lazardo, Kyle mm-hmm. Wright is in that range for me. Yep. Uh, Joe Ryan is right there just behind Tyler McGill. So that, uh, that yep. is the right range. I've moved Eric Lauer ahead of all those. I have him at SP37. He's, he was one of my biggest risers in my most recent update because he really hasn't had that kind of blow-up start or any kind of hiccup. He's, yep. he's just looked ridiculous. So. And I, I'm, I'm moving Alex Cobb ahead of him now, too. Oh, all right. Yeah, Alex Cobb, solid once again. We'll talk about him a little bit later on. Let's get back to buy high or no thanks guy. A few other candidates here. Glaber Torres went two for four with his fifth home run of the season. It was another kind of Yankee Stadium special, so I'll point that out. He had five RBI in this game. He accounted for all the Yankees runs, actually. And overall, the numbers don't look great right now. But over the last 15 games, Glaber Torres batting 260 with four home runs. And Chris, you know, you look at the underlying numbers here, the fly ball rate is up to 48% this year. Average exit velocity for Glaber Torres, 92.6 miles per hour. By far a career best. This isn't somebody who's ever really hit the ball all that hard, even Mm -hmm. in his breakout season back in 2019. And speaking of that breakout season, what I noticed is he was really aggressive that year. His swing rate, he was chasing more pitches, and he's gotten back to doing that this year. The past couple years, I thought he was too passive at times, and maybe just being too patient at the plate, but he's being more aggressive and it's working out for him. Glaber actually might be available in some leagues, some shallow leagues. He's 73% mm-hmm. rostered, but in some deeper ones, I'm looking to buy. I really like what I see under the hood here. Yeah, and the nice thing is, you know, his swing rate is up to 52.8%. That's a career high. His career high prior was 51.8% in 2019. So, you know, anytime you're you're pointing back towards that range, or that time period, I think you, you view that as a, a positive, or at least not a negative. And the, the other thing is, despite the fact that he's swinging more than ever, his whiff rate is down. So he's making more contact. And typically what you'll see when a player is being more aggressive and making more contact is they're, they're sacrificing quality of contact, and that's not what we're seeing from Glaber Torres. Like you said, exit velocity higher than it's ever been, 92.6 miles per hour. Hard hit rate, 50.7%. Mile, uh, 50.7%. That's an 89th percentile mark. That's really, really good. And so, yeah, I, I based on what we're seeing from Glaber Torres, that there are definitely reasons to be optimistic about him. I, I didn't expect to be optimistic about him when I was looking at it, but um, no, I, I think this is... Uh, this is all good signs for Glaber Torres. It doesn't mean that he's back to... You know, being a, a 38 homer guy, I don't think it was ever realistic to expect him to be a 38 homer guy again, but um, I, I like what we're seeing for sure. Yeah, and I don't think he needs to be, Chris. If in this environment, if he hits 260 to 270 with yeah. 25 home runs as a middle a infielder, that's, that's awesome right now. So, uh, yeah, I think we're both in there by high on Gleyber Torres. Chris, and, and hopefully playing better will make him an everyday player because he hasn't been so far. He, he's sitting like every. Third or fourth Fourth or fifth game, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully if he continues to hit the ball well, he'll he'll be in the lineup. I'll point out in general, Aaron Boone has done that with all the Yankees hitters this season. Josh Donaldson, I think he's doing it as a way to keep them healthy. I mean, he's even done it with Judge. Judge, as great as he's been, he's sat out a few games, but Stanton, Josh Donaldson, these guys are all Mm -hmm. getting regular days off, and And I think it's just part of their plan as like a team philosophy. Yeah, given the guys that they have, it, it probably makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to throw two catchers your way here, uh, Chris. Wilson Contreras, he went two for four with his fourth home run on Wednesday. He's batting 304. He's low-key been awesome. He's got a 935 OPS. His strikeout rate is down this year. His average exit velocity way up as well, 93.1 miles per hour. Uh, I noticed he's crushing it whenever he DHs this season, too. He's batting 474 with two homers as a DH. And coming into this season, it's something I also noticed that he liked doing uh, batting as a DH and of course Wilson Contreras in a contract year the other one is Tyler Stevenson he went three for five with two doubles four more RBI he's batting 322 with a 956 OPS himself Chris what do you think about buying high on Wilson Contreras or Tyler Stevenson there's got to be teams out there that need a catcher I know that I mean all but like like whoever has Travis Darno is probably feeling pretty good about catcher. <laughs> Other than that, you know, there's probably not a lot. Hey, Dalton Varshow, he's been awesome. I too. wrote a tweet today, um, you know, saying 
well, maybe, maybe I was wrong about Tyler Stevenson. And then I was like, well, let me, let me do some research before I, I take an L publicly. And I, I looked at Tyler Stevenson's underlying data and it stinks. It's really bad. Uh, his average exit velocity, 85.4 miles per hour. His hard hit rate, 32.5%. Uh, his, you know, obviously we know the expected stats aren't uh, quite as useful right now because they haven't been calibrated to this new offense environment. However, his expected WOBA is 305 compared to a 396 WOBA. The reason that expected stats this year wouldn't typic wouldn't really be all that useful relative to the past would be that uh, they're overstating offensive production. So I'm not at all ready to take an L on Tyler Stevenson. Um, I know he's got a 956 OPS. I know he's got three home runs, and his barrel rate is higher than it has been in the past. Although still, you know, not great. Um, but I'm not too concerned about being wrong about Tyler Stevenson yet. So that's what I will say. Does that also mean that you are looking sell high, sell high? No, Ooh. thanks guy. Comma. I will sell high. All right. Well, I hope you have a good backup plan at catcher because if you sell Tyler Stevenson, Oh, you don't. Yeah. I mean, you could pick <laughs> you up know. someone. Alejandro Kirk is coming around. He's, I think he's, yeah, he had a couple hard hit balls today. I, I like what we're seeing from him, but Wilson Contreras I don't know if I would say buy high just because he's because the landscape is so bad and because he carries a lot of name value. I don't necessarily know that you're you're going to pay full freight for yeah. full freight for Wilson Contreras. And I don't think he's going to continue to be a 400 expected Woba player. You know, throughout his career, he's pretty steadily been in the 340 to 350 range. And I think that's probably what he'll be. Moving forward, just like with Whit Merrifield and Cattell Marte, where, you know, we talked yesterday about betting on their track record. Wilson Contreras is another guy. I think you can bet on his track record, and he's probably just hot right now. That being said, that track record is one of the best hitting catchers in baseball, and he's playing pretty much every day. I think he's started 25 of 30 games for the Cubs so far, so, like, there are actually a handful of catchers who are playing a ton right now, which is a, a good sign. Dalton Varsho, chief among them, but uh, Vladimir Guerrero, JT Realmuto has also played a bunch of games. So, you know, if if Realmuto and Salvador Perez could start hitting, that would be great. Um, but yeah, I think Wilson Contreras, like, I didn't really move him up in my rankings this time, but... I, I feel very solid about him. I just don't think he's going to keep this up. Fair enough. All right, so we are looking to sell high on Tyler Stevenson. Don't buy uh, Wilson Contreras because it's probably going to take too much. I have one buy low candidate here, Chris. Kyle Schwarber went 0 for 4 with three more strikeouts on Wednesday. He's now 0 for 13 with seven strikeouts in this series against the Seattle Mariners. He's batting 185. The strikeout rate is up to 31.7%. There's some weird things going on right now. The average exit velocity is down. The barrel rate, mm -hmm. uh, the hard hit rate, basically the same. But you look at the batted ball distribution. I know this is something you spoke about recently, Chris, where line drive rate is kind of hard to trust this early in the season. He has a 7% 7, 7 line drive rate. League average is probably like 18 20%, something like yeah. that. 7%, that's very bad. Uh, his fly balls are way up. His infield fly balls are way up. Chris, what do you think about buying low on Kyle Schwarber? I think you probably should. Yeah, just because, again, it's like we talked about with Whit Merrifield, where the the track record is long enough of him being a very solid player. And, and you know, the last couple of seasons, especially Kyle Schwarber has been a really, really high-end uh, power option. So I, I think you should probably buy low because, yeah, the line drive rate is way down, and that's the primary culprit. To, for his struggles right now that and he's hitting a ton of pop-ups his pop-up rate is 16.2 percent he's had about 50 percent more pop-ups than line drives so far that's really bad pop-ups almost always turn into outs line drives almost always turn into hits so you you generally want those two things to be uh moving in the opposite direction but it's it's still early he's not 34 to where you would think, oh, he's just cratered. So 
I I think this is probably just a, a rough stretch for Kyle Schwarber. Okay, and I'll point out through May 31st last season, Kyle Schwarber was batting 230 with a 766 OPS. Mm-hmm. Strikeout rate was 29%, so that was actually lower, but but if you remember right in the same range. If you remember what happened after that is that he hit 16 home runs and batted 280 in the month of June, so he's it's one of those like, guys that could just we, get hot, Chris. Like we talked about with Brandon Lau yesterday. Yeah. It, like, you know Kyle Schwarber's streaky. Yeah. Like, his career has been defined by hot streaks and cold streaks, and that's true of every player to a certain degree, but Kyle Schwarber, his tend to be pretty pronounced, and so I just, I don't think you can sell... I don't think there's any reason to sell a guy come on a hot, on a cold streak, you know? Like I, I mentioned with, with Jazz Chisholm the other day, where I wanna see what he looks like after a cold streak. You know, I wanna see what happens when pitchers have made adjustments to him and he's made adjustments to pitchers and where he settles. And <clears throat> Kyle Schwarber has a much longer track record, so it's it's even less of a concern to me. But yeah, you're selling him at his what is likely to be his lowest point. So I just don't think it makes any sense. I would absolutely try to buy low. All right. Some recent trade questions that we received. This was an email from Gonzalo. Grade the trade eight by eight head-to-head categories with hits, walks, OPS as the added ones for hitting and walks, strikeouts, K per nine, quality starts added for pitchers. I dealt Zach Gallen for Brandon Lau. Grade the trade. I think that's probably an A. As much as I like Gallen... Pitching's really easy to find right now, and guys who could potentially hit 40 home runs are not. Brandon Loud hit 39 last year. And he hit 39 last year despite being just about as bad to this point in the season as he has been so far. So another guy that you know can get hot, and you know he can put together uh, you know, the kind of stretches that'll really change his outlook. So I'm perfectly fine. Are you highlighting those names because you don't know who they are? No, I just wanted to make sure. I knew I, I had a good idea who they were, but <laughs> I had to make sure. Uh, this next one is an email from Peyton. Dear Brian, Nick, Kevin, AJ, and Howie. Tell me why. There you go, the Backstreet Boys. Uh, all right, grade the trade in a 12-team head-to-head points league. I gave Jose Altuve, Connor Joe, and Miles Michaelis receiving Ozzy Albies, Teoscar Hernandez, and Sean Manaya. Yeah, I don't know what the person who accepted this trade was thinking because I think you got the better version of every type of player here. Ozzy Albies yeah. is better than Jose Altuve. Teoscar Hernandez, I like Connor Joe, but Teoscar Hernandez is better than Connor Joe. And Shamanai is better than Miles Michaelis. So I think that's great. There, there's a bit of a sell high, buy low aspect to this trade in moving Connor Joe and, and Miles Michaelis for Teoscar Hernandez and Shamanai. And if, if that's all the trade was, I think that'd be great. The fact that you were able to get Ozzy Albies for Jose Altuve on top of that, I think just puts it over the top. I think it's an A. All right. And I received a tweet on Wednesday asking if we should sell high on Tommy Edmond. And I hadn't really thought about it. I just know that he's been crushing it. Uh, Tommy Edmond batting 293 homers, 18 runs scored, 14 RBI, 7 seals. A true five-category contributor, which... I was not expecting in the least. So, look, between like Dalton Varsho, Tommy Edmond, those are probably probably been my biggest L's so far this season. Uh, I noticed the walk rate way up for Tommy Edmond this year. Oddly enough, he's hitting more ground balls and more infield fly balls. And the yeah. quality of contact is up slightly. What do you think, Chris? Would you look to sell high on Tommy Edmond right now? Yeah, I mean, if someone's going to look at Tommy Edmond and say, wow, this is a you know potential... 15 to 20 homer 35 plus stolen base guy and you know with really good run and and rbi numbers then yeah i I would be willing to sell him but i don't know he's not that much different than he was last season at least in terms of the projected the the pace for the counting stats and i was skeptical that he was gonna repeat the 30 stolen bases especially and that was where a lot of his value seemed to be laying but He's on pace for it, and they're they're letting him run again, and he's really fast. There's definitely some good luck involved in what he's doing so far. I don't think he's a, a 290 hitter, but I don't know. He's probably like a 270 hitter, and 
you know, I, I don't, if you set the over under at nine and a half home runs from here on out, I, I think that'd be a tough one. I, I think I might take the under, but the stolen bases look sustainable and, and that's going to be the hardest thing to, to replace, especially if he's not a zero anywhere else. I mean, we are talking about a world in which Adalberto Mondesi is already done for the season. So one of the premier stolen base guys is off the board. Um, I don't, there's not a lot of guys who, who are going to give you what Tommy Edmond can. So yeah, like based on what he's doing right now, I would take the under on his current OPS. He's, I, I would take an, an under on 818 OPS moving forward, but I would have trouble. Like the league that I'm in, I would have trouble moving him because I do think the stolen bases are legitimate. It's so hard because he's one of the only players that's contributing offensively right now. Like, <laughs> Also that. I think the idea of selling high on Tommy Edmond is the correct one for all the reasons that you laid out. It's just it's so hard to give up a player this valuable right now. So would you flip him for Teoscar Hernandez if you could? Sure, yes. I, I have Teoscar Hernandez ranked quite a bit ahead of him. How about Whit Merrifield? This is an interesting one because they seem so similar. When, when everything is going right for both, they're kind of similar players. I don't think it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that is, that's a good point. I mean, they both might just be 270 hitters with single to low double-digit home run totals and 30-plus steals and probably two of the better bets for 30-plus steals. So that's a really tough one. I have Whit Merrifield ranked quite a bit higher right now, but... Maybe I'm just deferring too much to Whit Merrifield's experience in that regard. Maybe I am overreacting to this, but I have moved Tommy Edmond ahead of Whit Merrifield at both second base and outfield. I've got him 19th in the, at the outfield position just because there's so many outfielders that are not producing. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just overreacting too much, but he's he's been that's awesome a, so far. That's one that my knee-jerk reaction didn't quite hold up to a, a second thought. Mm. All right. We'll see what happens. Tommy Edmond, before we hit the break, make sure to sign up for our Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter if you haven't already. Dan Schneier, he does a great job for it, and it's free. So why wouldn't you sign up? CBSSports.com slash newsletters. And, of course, you can sign up for our Fantasy Football Today newsletter, which Chris does. So if you want to support Chris and support our buddy Dan, Again, FPT and FFT newsletters, they are free. CBSSports.com slash newsletters. Let's take a quick break, and when we return, news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The news and notes. Ronald Acuna was held out of the lineup Wednesday due to a sore groin. The Braves don't sound too worried as they expect Acuna to return on Friday. 
Please, we don't need this right now. Ronald Acuna just returned, and he's stolen five bases in 10 games. Yeah. He's been amazing. So, I mean, I get it. Although, you know, if your they, team only has three of them, I guess, <laughs> if they, in, in all likelihood, because two of them came in that first game back. Yes, that's fair. But still, you love to see how he's playing so far, and you would hate to see it slow down. Look, I guess take all the time you need to get right. Don't rush him back into the lineup, but we yeah. we need him. We need Ronald Acuna. Zach Wheeler is scheduled to return from the COVID IL and start Thursday against the Dodgers. Chris, would you start him in daily lineup leagues? Yeah, I would. I, I guess there's always the chance that he, he's dealing with some... Uh, I don't know. He's winded, I guess, as a result of it. But I, I would say you probably have to start him. Speaking of COVID, the White Sox and Guardians game was postponed Wednesday due to multiple positive COVID tests within the Cleveland organization. I believe Terry Francona was one of them. So I hope everything is all right there mm-hmm. with the Guardians. Joey Votto will likely require a rehab assignment before rejoining the Reds. He has been on the COVID IL since May 3rd. Taylor Ward has not started three straight games with a hamstring injury, but said he will, quote, absolutely be back in the lineup on Friday. And in fact, he actually pinch hit on Wednesday late in the game, and he hit a game-tying home run off of Andrew Kittredge in the eighth inning of that game. So if you bench Taylor Ward in a daily lineup league because he didn't start, I am sorry because he is just on fire right now. He's been awesome. Ryan Mountcastle was held out of the lineup Wednesday due to left wrist soreness. Garrett Whitlock will make another start for the Red Sox on Monday against the Houston Astros. Steven Strasburg is scheduled to throw another simulated game at extended spring training this weekend. The Nationals will reassess after that. Evan Longoria was reinstated reinstated and batting third in the lineup. He went over five with three strikeouts. Manny Margot has missed the past two games with that hamstring injury, but expects to return on Friday. Nico Horner was diagnosed with a right ankle sprain after x-rays came back negative. The Cubs say Horner may require a couple days off, but isn't expected to require a trip to the injured list. Brendan Rogers, the guy was hot. Scott puts him on the sleeper list. And now he's dealing with a hand, hand injury. He hasn't played the past two days and is expected to return Friday against the Royals. Randall Gritcher has not played the past two days dealing with a stomach bug. Jake McGee placed on the IL with lower back tightness. Lower back tightness. I think he's just been terrible. They're trying to, like, I don't know, get his mind right right now. But he hasn't been good. He's got a 9.58 ERA. And in case you needed any more confirmation, Camilo Doval is the closer for the Giants uh, for the time being. The Twins pitcher, uh, Billy Ober, threw a 20-pitch bullpen session on Wednesday. He is on the IL with a groin issue. Rich Hill will return from the COVID IL and start Saturday at the Rangers. And Joey Wendell, who has surprisingly been really good, left Wednesday's game with right Mm -hmm. hamstring tightness. Let's talk about some rankings movers. Chris's latest trade chart is out on the site. And if you ever want to just see our rankings, follow along, they are updated, and you can find them cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball slash rankings. The biggest risers for Chris, Carlos Rodon, Christian Yelich, Jazz Chisholm, and Julio Rodriguez. Chris, I know we were talking beforehand, and you're buying. You're buying high on Julio Rodriguez right now. Yeah, that's what I wrote about with the uh, trade chart, and, and you know, he, he kind of looks like another one of the high-end rookies who who's struggling. He's only... He entered today 255, 317, 345 triple slash line with a 33% strikeout rate. But I don't know, like, one, the fact that he's got 10 stolen bases and he's 99th percentile in sprint speed, like, the fact that he's got 10 steals despite not hitting the ball all that well so far, I feel like is a really good sign. Uh, The fact that they've just given him a green light and... I haven't seen any reason to think that there's like anything weird or fluky with it. I know sometimes you'll, I think Ramon Laureano last year had like seven steals in the first two weeks of the season, but like four of them were effectively defensive indifference. Like the, the, there was no throw on them. And so I haven't seen any reason to think that that's the case with Julio Rodriguez. But the reason I'm buying is starting on or culminating on April 24th, he had struck out 22 of his first 48 plate appearances. That's a 46% strikeout rate. That was a four strikeout game on April 21st. Since then, he's down to 24%. 
And I think that might be sustainable. There's some swing and miss in his game. He's a, he's a big dude and he's young and he's aggressive, but eight of those first 22 strikeouts, we talked about this uh, a handful of times early on in the season, but eight of those first 22 strikeouts were on called strikes that were outside of the strike zone. Holy Rodriguez just, I think there was some bad luck involved and, um, he also had the third lowest uh, swing rate on two strike counts, which he's raised since then. But he's been a little more aggressive overall. But the biggest thing is that his contact rate has jumped from 65% in that first 12 games to 75% in 18 games since then. And that's basically going from worst in baseball last year to middle of the pack. And given how well he's hitting the ball, I think that's a really good thing. He doesn't have to be an elite contact guy. He just has to be good enough with how well he hits the ball. And even then, he doesn't have to hit the ball that well if he's going to steal 40 bases. I don't know if he's going to steal 40 bases, but he's on about a 50 steal pace right now. So, yeah, I'm I'm buying Julio Rodriguez. The, the overall numbers are not great. And so if someone in your league doesn't realize how valuable he has been and is going to be, I would absolutely be trying to buy him. And even uh, what, uh, uh, who was, J.P. Crawford was out of the lineup a couple of days and Julio Rodriguez was batting third for the Mariners over the weekend. So that's also a good sign. They've got faith in him. He's not going to hit third moving forward forever, but he's a potential superstar with a lot of value right now. I don't know, Chris. He might just be batting third now because he has done it Four games in, in a row. Three of the past four? Four, four games in a row. Oh, okay. Uh, no, three of the past four. You're right about that. Yeah. My, my, the fonts on my computer is so small. I'm also just losing <laughs> my eyesight. So if you, if you ever see me That'll looking happen. to the side, I have another monitor over here where I'm trying to see things, but the eyes are just kind of going on me right now. The risers for me, of course, Julio Rodriguez was one of them. Christian Yelich, Dalton Varsho, I moved. I think yeah, I moved Varsho up to my number four catcher. I think I moved him up to three. Three. I think I now have him ahead of Will Smith. Will Smith not has, unreasonable. Will Smith's been. Yeah. I mean, him and JT Romuto have actually both been pretty bad this season. Oh, look at it, Scott. So aggressive. He's got Varsho. I, I had forgotten. <laughs> Scott. JT Romuto has kind of been terrible for like a year straight now. He's got a 674 OPS right now. And let me pull it up. His last 365 days, he's hitting 251 with a 727 OPS, 15 homers, 13 steals, and 129 games. That's not, for a catcher, that's not bad. But it's not special. No, it's not. And I was just going to mention, Scott moved Varsho up to his second-ranked catcher ahead of JT Real Muto, only behind Salvador Perez. Let, let's see how long it takes for Scott to actually move Varsho ahead of Salvador Perez. I think it's going to take quite some time. Obviously, I would think so, he yeah. loved Perez coming into the season. Risers for me again, Yelich, uh, Julio Rodriguez, Varsho, Rowdy Telez, I moved inside my top, I think, 18 at first mm-hmm. base. Josh Naylor, I moved up to my 59th ranked outfielder. So inside the top 60 there. If you play in five outfielder leagues, uh, Tarek Skubal, I moved inside my top 60 starting pitchers. Nestor Cortez, I moved up to my 50th ranked starting pitcher. Chris, a few fallers for you. Shane Bieber, Marcus Semien, and Javier Baez. And like you, I dropped Bieber down to my SP14. So down a little bit. Yeah, he's down to 16 for me, I'm pretty sure. Um, and look, we are 17. I actually... After Robbie Ray's most recent start, I actually just put Robbie Ray ahead of him. And, and we've talked about the the Shane Bieber thing quite a bit, but the velocity is way down. He's averaging below 90 miles per hour with his fastball. The spin rate way down, and that's something that we didn't really see last season because of the shoulder injury. We didn't see how the, the sticky stuff ban affected him. And I don't know. I think, I think there's a chance Shane Bieber's just like an average to below average ERA guy who gets a decent number of innings and strikeouts. But the, the early returns are, are pretty, pretty not great for Shane Bieber so far. Yeah, a few other fallers for me. Outside of Bieber, I've got Yuli Gurriel. Just kind of yeah, looking, same. just kind of looking old right now. I don't, I don't yeah, know if he's. I didn't get back include Gurriel in my list just because I was going off of players who are in my trade values chart, and I think he just fell out of the trade values chart, so I just didn't even uh, see him on that list of fallers. So, 
that that's its own uh, version of falling. Mm-hmm. Jerickson Profar moved way down, and uh, no surprise here, but Joey Gallo is now at number 60 in my outfield rank. So I will take Man. Josh Naylor over Joey Gallo. I still have Gallo in my top 40. He's falling. He is falling. He's falling, Chris. Let's take a closer look at Jose Barrios. I mentioned facetiously at the top of the show that Jose Barrios might stink. Well, what's going on with him? Two rough outings in a row. His ERA is up to 5.82, and he gave up five hits, five runs, over five and a third innings at the Yankees. Eight more hard hit balls. Chris, he is getting crushed right now. His stat cast expected ERA entering Wednesday was 7.75. That is just, that's abysmal. And now his swinging strike rate is 8.4%. It's now sub 10% two straight seasons. I don't know. I, I dropped him a little bit. You know, more so I moved pitchers ahead of him. I didn't just drop yeah. Barrios. It's just like other pitchers around him that are pitching better right now. But what do you think? Are, are you actually concerned over what's going on with him? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's been really easy so far to move guys ahead of Jose Barrios. And, and he, I, I think he was like 19 or 20 for me to start the season. And it's just been like every week, it's just like, yeah, I'll move Pablo Lopez ahead of him. I'll move Clayton Kershaw. And it's just like now he's all, all the way down to 29. And, and even that might be a little too high. I will say, I wonder if he's tipping his pitches. it Because it, it, it's just so bad right now in a way that almost like beggars belief like he's a fastball velocity and and spin rate and everything looks mostly like it usually does and he's just getting crushed with every single pitch i mean his lowest exit velocity allowed on a pitch right now is his curveball and that's 89 miles per hour Last season, he his highest uh, average fa- or exit velocity allowed in a pitch was 89.7 with his fastball. So, Barrios has always been one of those guys who's been pretty good at limiting contact, and this season he's just been absolutely abysmal. 49.5% hard hit rate before he gave up, what, eight hard hit balls today? So, it just, it kind of, it feels like Luis Castillo at this time last year where there, there doesn't seem to be an obvious physical explanation for why he's struggling so so much to the point where I, I almost have to wonder I almost have to think that there's just something mechanically wrong that he'll fix and be fine so I'm not saying you should be panic selling Jose Barrios and I, I think he's probably a buy low fair enough how about these other two pitchers Chris what have you seen from these two Logan Gilbert two mixed starts in a row now he allowed four runs on three hits, three walks on Wednesday over five innings. He had nine strikeouts, which was a season high. But he has three or more walks in four straight starts. And he's just overall a weird pitcher. His swinging strike rate below 10%, uh, not getting a lot of whiffs. He allows hard contact. He allows a lot of fly balls. The control has been lacking. But overall, the results have been there for Logan Gilbert. So what are you seeing with him? Yeah, the the biggest thing that I've noticed with with Logan Gilbert and the the thing that is most confounding based on what we typically understand about uh, pitchers is his called plus swing strike rate is pretty middling. In this start, it was 25%. I think it's been below 28% for the season. And that typically would make you think that a guy who has a really good ERA is going to suffer some regression, but... Today, this is illustrative of how the season has gone so far for Logan Gilbert. Today, he had 24 foul balls with his fastball. He's been running uh, foul ball rates north of 20% for much of the season. And that is, uh, I, I don't know if that's sustainable, I guess is the way I would put it. It's really hard to be a really good strikeout pitcher without like a good called plus swinging strike rate. I'm looking at a piece from Al Melchior, actually, from uh, The Athletic. I think it was uh, two days yesterday, actually. And there's a very strong correlation historically between strikeout rate and uh, called plus swinging strike rate. And he's one of the outliers, Logan Gilbert. So I... It's a it's a weird profile, and I don't know how sustainable it is. Um it, it is weird, man. 
Yeah. I, yeah. I have trouble saying to sell high, Chris, just because the pedigree is there. And you watch him pitch like he has good stuff. But I've noticed that he just he struggles with consistency on his secondary pitches. Yeah. It was something I noticed last year. You know, there's just starts where either his changeup isn't working or his slider isn't working or they're both not working. And then he has to be fastball heavy. And, you know, last year was, the results weren't great. He kind of ran bad. And this year so far, he's, he's kind of running hot. So I don't, he's a weird one. I don't think I would sell high. I mean, unless someone's like really willing to overpay for him. But yeah, I, I yeah. think it depends on like, is someone viewing? I don't know where you and and Scott have Logan Gilbert ranked, but he's 37 for me at starting pitcher. So I'm I'm still a little iffy on him. Um, so if someone's viewing him as like a top 24 starting pitcher, then yeah, I think there's a, a chance to sell him, and I think there are, might be people who do view him as that as that because Logan Gilbert is a, a a highly touted prospect. He had a lot of hype coming into the season and. You know, maybe maybe someone does view him that way, in which case, in which yeah, I would sell high. But it's not a get-out-while-the-getting's-good kind of situation because I do think there's, one, there's room for his swing and miss rates on his secondary pitches to improve. You know, right now, he his, swing and, his whiff rate on every pitch is below 25%, and that's pretty bad. Last year, his slider and changeup were both above 38%. So if he can get back to that then there's room for the strikeout rate to grow even more than what we've seen. So, you know, that's, I think, I think I'm holding steady on Logan Gilbert as like an SP3, SP4. All right. A few other pitchers I wanted to mention. Miles Michaelis lowers his ERA to 1.49. He allows just one run over seven innings at the Orioles. Uh, lean into the slider in this one, 37%. And overall, he's throwing his slider more this season. He's got a 1.49 ERA, which I don't think is sustainable. But I will point out he's doing a great job limiting hard contact. And the ground ball rate has uh, slowly been climbing uh, throughout the year. So I think this is close to the breakout 2018 we saw from Michaelis. I also think that he's just healthy again. So uh, I look, if you could sell high, of course, but I kind of like Michaelis, that awesome defense behind him, obviously a great division to pitch in as well. Jameson Tyone, two solid starts in a row, both against the Blue Jays. He allowed two runs over five and a third, and he has two starts next week. So if you want to beat the waiver wire, he's 72% rostered. He's got the White Sox and he's at the Orioles. Uh, Started throwing a new cutter about three starts ago, mm-hmm. and he used he's using it 25-plus percent in two straight starts. The results have been good for Tyone, so I I kind of like what I've seen from him as well. Let's move over to some waiver wire hitters. Alejandro Kirk, we mentioned earlier, he went two for four. He's betting 360 over his last seven games. He's 57% rostered if you need a catcher. Tommy Pham, three for four with a walk, two runs scored, two RBI. Chris, he's betting 315 over his last 15 games. I feel like I say it every day. I still think he's the most under-rostered hitter right now in CBS. He's 46% rostered. Uh, Problem is, he only has five road games next week. Yeah, he was a big riser for me. I moved him into the top 50 at outfielder as well. And yeah, I I think he's one of those guys where the the expected stats suggest that he's like a stud, and I don't think he's going to be that for for a lot of reasons. I I mentioned last week, he's someone who doesn't really pull the ball at all. he hits everything like sprayed or to the gaps and it's just you're not going to get as much out of each batted ball you know a 380 foot ball to left field is a home run every time you know that's Nolan that's Nolan Arenado's whole thing at this point in his career she's hitting 380 foot home runs but if you hit a 380 foot ball to left center there's a decent chance it's going to be caught you know maybe not in Cincinnati every time but you know a lot of the times so um I, I do think, like, if you look at the underlying numbers and you see, like, wow, Tommy Pham is a, a star, I don't think he's that. But, yeah, he's he's clearly a must-start outfielder right now. Chris, would you rather have Tommy Pham or Alec Thomas, the prospect for the Diamondbacks, who went t- two for three on Thursday, on Wednesday, rather, hit his first career home run off of Sandy, Sandy Alcantara. Uh, Alec Thomas is 49% rostered. He's got eight games next week. Would you rather have Pham or Thomas? Um, I would rather have Thomas. It, it is, you know, I will just not relevant to that question necessarily, but I will say that uh, promising start from Sandy Alcantara. He looked really good. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of made the one mistake, I think. So 
that was good. And Alec Thomas, you know, made him pay for the one mistake. So I, I think I want both. I mean, I, I've got <laughs> yeah. room for both Alec Thomas and Tommy Pham in most of my outfield. But if you did have to pick one for some reason, I, I would take the flyer on Alec Thomas having more upside. There's also just the fact that Tommy Pham's been awesome for two straight weeks, and he's still 46% rostered. So clearly people aren't buying it. So you've got a better chance of picking up Alec Thomas and maybe being able to pick up Tommy Pham tomorrow, you know, if you want to. Fair enough. That is the right answer, by the way, Chris. I mean, we need offense. Pick up both of these guys, Tommy Pham yeah. and Alec Thomas. Which one of these first basemen would you rather have, Chris? I know you liked Luke Voigt coming into the season. Finally gets on the board. Double dong on Wednesday. Uh, his first two home runs with the Padres. He's 56% rostered. Or... Would you rather have Juan Yepes, who went two for five with his second home run? He has now started all seven games since being called up and has a hit, at least one hit in each of them. He is 41% rostered. Luke Voigt or Juan Yepes? You are muted, sir. It would be Voigt for me. I am muted. I was. Um, just because my, my expectations for, for Voigt were so high coming in, and I, I think the... You know what? Two walks in his first game back from from the IL, and then the three hit game with two home runs. That sounds to me like someone who's figured it out. And Luke Voigt, when he's been healthy, has just he's crushed the ball throughout his career. So I'm pretty confident he's going to crush the ball now. But you know, Yepes has been pretty impressive so far. So um, might be a situation where maybe the answer is both. Uh, you should probably try to add both because, again, I've got plenty of leagues where I could use a corner infielder and potentially an out, uh, a first baseman. So, yeah. Add all of them. Fam, Thomas, Luke Voigt, Juan Yepes. I mean, all. at this point, like, we had there, – there was a guy on Twitter who was, like, getting on Scott's case because he said Rowdy Telez was a must-add. And it's like – that's not to say that these guys are all going to be stars. Like – if someone's available in 50% of leagues on May 12th, they're probably the, the most likely outcome is they're not good. <laughs> like that just like okay, you have the, the the random prospect or the guy who just gets overlooked, but like generally speaking most of the guys you're adding on the waiver wire are not going to be good. But offense is at such a premium right now that these guys are showing the kind of potential that makes them you know potentially difference makers and I, I you can't pass that up mm -hmm. right now just because like you shouldn't drop a really good player for them even if they're struggling you shouldn't drop Whit Merrifield you know for for any of these guys right but you should be trying to get as many bites at the apple as you can with guys who are showing upside when offense is so hard to find in deeper leagues, if you need a middle infielder, Cesar Hernandez went three for four with two runs scored. His last 15 games, he's betting 344 with 10 runs, two stolen bases. He's 22% rostered. Just a name to watch, Brendan Donovan with the Cardinals. He went two for two with two walks, two doubles, three runs scored, two RBI on Wednesday. That's one day after hitting his first career home run, and he has started both games at shortstop. So you hit. I think you're going to play. Brendan Donovan, a name to watch. Sandy Alcantara, some leftovers here, Chris. I know you mentioned he got back on track. Seven innings, one run, six strikeouts. Leaned all the way into the changeup in this one. Threw it a season-high 44%, and it has been his best pitch this season. So if that's what's going to work, let's do I mean, it. I'm all for it. When you can throw a changeup 95 miles an hour, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you don't need a fastball every time. If you can throw your changeup like that. Yeah, he, he looked awesome, and I think the changeup is his best pitch. I think it's been his best pitch since the start of last season, so I have no problem with him throwing it more. Alex Cobb was solid again, two starts in a row, five and a third, one run, six strikeouts, but he's at Colorado next week, Chris, so yeah. you might want to get Cobb out of your lineups for that one. Yeah, I mean, he's look, he's his ground ball rate is super high. So It's crazy. It's not it's not out of the question that he could have a good start, but yeah, one star week at Colorado. Generally speaking, you're sitting all but the best pitchers, so I'm okay with that. All right, some hitting leftovers. Trevor Story off the Schneid hits his first Red Sox home run on May 11th. 
Who would have thunk it? <laughs> Bo Bichette went three for five with a double. He's batting 290 over his last 15 games. Hunter Renfro hit a double dong. He's now up to eight homers. Reese Hoskins went two for five with his fifth homer. It was his third home run in as many days. So three straight days with a home run. Gene Segura went one for two with two walks and his second steal, crushing it in May. He's batting 452, three homers, one steal. Gene Segura's average exit velocity in May is 96 miles per hour. So that is awesome. Eric Hosmer, he heard you, Chris. He heard you on yesterday's podcast, and he said, acknowledge me, three for four with his fourth home run. He is batting 367. Pete Alonso went two for four with his eighth home run. He's off to a great start in May. Juan Soto hit his seventh homer. He has 10 RBI. I think that might just be a problem for him this season. Nationals lineup, not very good. Nelson Cruz went one for three with his fourth homer. Corey Seager hit his seventh home run. He has three homers over the past two days. And Francisco Lindor, I'll always be transparent with you. Obviously, I was bragging. He's off to this MVP start, and he's gone ice cold in May. He's betting 146, the hard contact, the line drive rate. The yeah, it's fine. Ah. Yeah, it's fine. I need you. I moved I, him up. I have a lot He's of Lindor. I, I need it. I need him to. Yeah, to I mean, look, the, the slump is not helping you right sure. now, personally. Of course. But he's fine. All right. Call to the bullpen. Some bullpen updates for the Pirates. David Bednar was perfect for the Pirates' final two innings, striking out three for his fifth save. And Bednar has the Pirates' last four saves overall. So kind of just think he's the guy, and he should be. For the Yankees, Aroldis Chapman gave up a walk, a hit, and a run, but picked up his eighth save. Uh, for the Phillies, Corey Knebel. Final four outs for his sixth save of the season for the Diamondbacks. Chris, I know you added uh, Ian Kennedy in a few leagues last week. Mm -hmm. Might work out because Mark Melanson, he entered in a tie game. He gave up a walk, three hits, four (laughs) runs. I think the Marlins had an eight-run ninth inning The Marlins were winning 3-1 heading into the bottom of the eighth. I don't want to talk about this, Chris. Then the Diamondbacks uh, scored twice, and then the Marlins won 11-3. That is wild. I was so frustrated for the way that game went for multiple reasons because obviously I have a lot of Sandy Alcantara shares. The guy just cannot buy a win. It's so frustrating. (laughs) And I bet the under in the game. So it was seven and a half total runs. This game is cruising along. Looked real good. Three to one in the eighth inning. I'm like, yeah, I got this money in the bank. Next thing you know, 11 to three. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is. It's tough. For the Cubs, uh, David Robertson is on the COVID IL. Rowan Wick pitched the final two innings against the Padres for his second save. And then for Tampa Bay, they're, they've kind of been doing Tampa Bay things recently. Andrew Kittredge, he entered in the eighth inning with a two-run lead to face the bottom of the lineup. He gave up two runs on three hits. He might have stayed in for a two-inning save. I don't know. He's done that a few times already this year. But after that, Brooks Raley picked up the save in extra innings. It's his third save of the season. Andrew Kittredge has four. So, Rayleigh is actually someone I've picked up in a few deeper category leagues. Yeah, it would have to be a deeper league. But. Yeah, 15-team Roto, I've, I've picked up a few Brooks Rayleigh shares. He's been getting some saves. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Thursday. Luis Heal at the White Sox. Taiwan Walker at the Nationals. James Caprillion at the Tigers. Josh Winder versus the Astros. Jordan Hicks versus the Orioles. And Tyler Anderson versus the Phillies. I think, I think Winder's probably probably the only guy I would trust in a in a standard twelve team league, um, but Anderson is is okay in deeper formats. Is that a revenge game for Tyler Anderson? Uh, I think so. Did he pitch for the Phillies? I don't know. No, he didn't. I thought he did for some reason. It's Kyle Gibson, Tyler Anderson. You know, once yeah, Friday, once they got a lot of guys like but that. They're kind of the same guy, right? Right. Yeah. Anyway, Friday, we've got Mitch Keller versus the Reds. It feels like every start Mitch Keller has made has come against the Reds this year. It is uncanny. Doesn't, uh, doesn't make you feel more confident about Mitch <laughs> Keller's production so far. No. Marco Gonzalez at the Mets. Aaron Savali at the Twins. Drew Smiley at the Diamondbacks. Zach Davies versus the Cubs. That being said, Keller's probably the, the best of the options. I, I wouldn't want to start him, but big yikes. If I had to pick one, if you were forcing me to pick one, don't do it. I would go with Mitch Keller. Oh. I would say none, but yeah, that would be my preference. Uh, yeah, this is I guess I would go with Keller too, but man. Friday, not great. Probably don't want to stream. We're gonna wrap there. For Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. 
バイバイ Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H Trek all wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best in class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So, which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562 314 4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.